And before all that, there was a little man in a turtleneck, curly hair. And he was the original Batman. He was. Well, the second, third. Oh, yeah, whatever. For, for, he, was for the third, he was the original cinematic Batman. Second. I'll get fucked. Third. You know what I mean. <laughs> the, the, the original modern cinematic Batman. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he was very much a... He was Batman in the same way that Boba Fett is about Boba Fett. Um, in that it's not really loosely loosely he turns up every now and then like the second one should be called Batman Returns to his own movie every 20 minutes (laughs) it's very clever Uh, how long have you been working on that I stole that from Kevin Smith Um, Uh, I apologise shame I should be ashamed but I'm too tired to give a shit Hello, welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom, as one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Hello. Are we going to do so, our best, best Batman voices? Is that what we're doing? I'm going to try a bit. Okay. I mean, I'm losing my voice, okay. but I'm going to, I'm holding in there. It's, it contextually it works for Batman. Okay. In this episode, we're talking about the Tim Burton Batman duology, 1989's Batman and the 1992 sequel, Batman Returns. Yes. Yeah. So we're finally back. We've been away for a bit. We've had a lot, a lot going on, but we've always said we were going to do this. We've been looking forward to it. So obviously the new Batman is coming out um, in a matter of weeks now. Um, it's been long delayed yeah. and they stopped filming halfway through and then had to go back. But the new Batman movie, the solo Batman movie starring Robert Patterson called The Batman is coming out soon. Yes. And so we thought it's a perfect opportunity for us to do a classic um, on-cast Granbury watch. Um, and go back through all the solo Batman movies. Um, I say solo because we're not going to cover the Ben Affleck stuff because we've kind of talked about that roughly in, in other places. But this is going to be us talking through the different cinematic iterations of Batman, starting yeah. with um, yeah the Tim Burton movies, the uh, starring Michael Keaton. Um, so it's it's the original. It's Batman. It is. Um, it's. It's, it's happened and we watched it and it's a bit different than it's, I uh, remember. Yeah, it's an interesting one to go back to now these days, isn't it? It's, um, mm. I obviously watched it in retrospect, but I think I must have watched it. I definitely watched it first time before the Nolan movie started, um, but I did watch it. Yeah, not at the time. I don't know. Like, do you remember it at the time or were you still probably too young when it came out, weren't you? Well, I mean, the thing is that the film was like, you know, it's the Star Wars effect. So the film was merchandised up to the eyeballs. So we had all the toys and, well, we had the toys and we had a lot of like tie-in stuff and, you know, it was the 80s and 90s. So everything had a tie-in book and a, a graphic novel adaptation and a, and a novelization. We had all of it. Yeah. And uh, because it was a little bit, because uh, I'm the youngest of three, my brothers were old enough to be able to uh, be in a position where they could appreciate it a bit more. I was not so much, but I did get my introduction to it pretty young, so I must have been about five or six. Nice. And, oh, and what? And you would have watched what the 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 first one? Yeah, yeah, Batman. Yeah. And uh, I remember being horrified by the. Um, I remember being very confused by a lot of things in there, but I also remember just like being quite afraid of the Joker. Yeah, did, did it contribute to your crippling fear of clowns? Um, no, that is squarely was... sits in the lap of it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, and my brothers, so fuck you very much. Yeah, <laughs> and my cousins, and fuck you very much. Yeah. So, yeah, this was this was different because like I was aware of you know um, uh, it's probably in the region of being like uh, sort of an introduction into comic books for me because it's something that I sort of latched onto quite early. Mm. And I've always said like I've always been a Marvel guy plus Batman. Yeah, 
and um, like Batman's always been like oh, the new 52 run of Batman is something that I really really enjoyed like for what I read Hush when as and when it was coming out you know I have to make like monthly pilgrimages to uh, to a comic book shop in Portsmouth from where I lived which was about an hour away and uh, yeah it was a lot of um, it's very exciting very fun but at the same time like Pretty scary, uh, a couple of points. Yeah, it's um, like I say, it's a weird one. Like you couldn't show it to a kid now. Um, this Batman movie, no. um, either of them, particularly Batman Returns, but we'll get into that. But yeah, Batman Returns is fucking horrifying. Um, but, um, mm. but yeah, they're very odd and they're very of their time. Um, they're kind of weird. These weird um, throwbacks to like an older age of sort of Hollywood in a way as well. Like because yeah. everything, I think the thing that strikes me about when you go back to it, particularly like after like the Nolan movies as well, is just how fake everything seems. Just like yeah. all the sets and all the just just everything about it is very stagey. Is it everything looks like it's made out of you know plywood? Yeah, and it will fall apart quite easily. There are a couple of exceptions to that. I think the the um the Batmobile still stands out, and it's still the best Batmobile. Yeah, and oh, all, yeah, yeah, without just, a doubt. It's just it's epic and it's it's awesome. Like even though again, there are times when you can sort of see the seams a little bit where like clearly they're speeding up the footage to make it look like it's going faster than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. Like and things like that. It's like those leaves are moving at a very odd rate. <laughs> <laughs> but if I if I remember rightly, that was built off the shell of like a Corvette. Yeah. Which is a fast car in itself, but you know, it's no rocket powered. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was someone else. I I have that toy, like the full sized version of that toy. Yeah. Um, and you know when I eventually move some of this more space, it will be displayed in pride of place as the original Batman toy from nineteen eighty nine. Sick. But uh, yeah, like the I've, in fact I brought it brought it uh, I brought it back from my dad's recently. I've got a Hot Wheels toy. Of the original Batmobile from 1989. It's even got the little stamp on the bottom that says 1989, obviously. So, uh, it's something that's always stuck with me since I was a kid. So, it, yeah, it's been a, it's got somewhat of a legacy. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, um, and the same goes for for pretty much everything about this movie. I think you know the the thing that stands out about, about watching going back and watching the first one is that it sets the template for everything that comes later. It sort of yeah. it reinvents Batman in a way because it was coming off the back of, well, it wasn't coming off the back of, but the public perception of Batman at that point was very much framed around the Adam West TV show. Um, yeah. So that was like most people's exposure to Batman at that point. And it was very, very camp and very like colourful and over the top and silly. Um, that wow, yeah. pal. Exactly. Whereas there, there would have been, you know, comics fans because at that point, when did Dark Knight Returns come out? That would have been the 80s as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Something around that, that was... sort of, Yeah. Because it was around that sort of time that Frank Miller was writing those kind of comic books. And it was like, that's the interpretation yeah. of Batman that, that the, the comics fans, the real true fans were like, oh, this is this is proper Batman. And so yeah. when... So... Go on. Yeah, go on. Uh, sorry, yeah, just to say that, like, throughout the Batman, Throughout the 60s, Batman was very, very camp. Yeah. Uh, even in the comics, it was, you know, the brave and the bold, and he had all these brightly different coloured costumes. And, you know, he and Dick shared a bed, and there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of brightness and vivaciousness, colourful level to it, because that's what comic what comics were at the time. And as I went into the 70s, moved into like the Neil Adams era comics, where things started to get a bit darker, and he was a bit more of a detective, and, Things were still brightly coloured, like you know, he was still he was in a light grey costume and a blue cowl and a blue cape. You know, everything was a little bit ostentatious still. But when the eighties came around, there was, like you say, there was a big shift. There was a big shift in the way that all the comic books were read. Things started becoming a bit more hard nosed. You know, everything was a little bit hard boiled, should we say? Um, and yeah, this particular one, I think this particular era was inspired by like it's called Troika, mm. um, which is like a run where Batman sort of comes into contact with like Russian mafia, and it's 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 quite dark, and it's quite 
brutal and quite violent, and it's it involves a lot of his martial art prowess and his combat ability rather than gadgets. Yeah, which is a bit of a departure from the actual film. Yeah, the film is yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's almost laughable in a way now that like this was like the dark and gritty Batman that everyone was like cra- <laughs> <laughs> like when when now when you compare like the fight scenes in this are very very tame. Um, and the very like mm. I, I was, as we were watching it the other day, it's like this is what passed for an action film in, in 1989. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Okay, um, because it's very like I say, the vast majority of it is very talky, very stagey, and it's carried really on the performances. Mm. And like it mainly in the first one is about Jack Nicholson as the Joker because it's his movie. Um, yeah. Michael Keaton is kind of is there and he does a good job with what he's given. But it's not he. That's not what Tim Burton's interested in, and you can tell. Um, he just he's not that bothered about him. Uh, so he just sort of yeah. is there in the background, turns up every now and then, um, and even then, like he sometimes does things that are just wildly out of character for Bruce Wayne. But the, the main one that is become infamous now is obviously the um, let's You're get nuts. Yeah, <laughs> let's get nuts scene. Um, which is just bizarre. Um, but like there is a certain I do like his Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. Is like it's not quite because the, they've all got different interpretations of it. But his version is this kind of he's distracted. He's a little bit like he's just out of sorts with the world. Not he doesn't quite know what, what's going on. He's he sort of he gives this air of just obliviousness to what's got everything that's going on. And that's he's got, that's a great yeah. mask. It's like that's why people can never assume that he would be Batman. Yeah, it's like uh, like to to everyone else, he's just like empty-headed idiot yeah. socialite whereas his actual portrayal is is this like heavy as the head that wears the crown like he's very very troubled <clears throat> yeah like, yeah it's the difficult public persona of balancing that against the, the fear that he wants to strike in the heart and yeah and it's kind of it's very lightly touched on especially when you compare it to things like batman begins because i think oh, the thing God, to, yeah. to bear in mind is that it's this is not an origin story it, it kind of it skips over it they do get they do tell the origin and they get into it but it gets they get into it way way later in the movie and it just becomes and that's another weird thing they do with this where it's just like it's bruce wayne is like he's famous and has the massive house and all the rest of it but then they discover what happened to his parents and this is when i say they i'm talking about vicky vale and Knox, who's a character they've just completely made up this journalist yeah. character who sort of carries us through the movie is the everyman. But, easiest way to get yeah. some uh, easiest way to get some sort of backstory. It's just bring in a journalist. Yeah. Um, and they go, Oh no, I, I think he's really messed up because yeah, but it's like surely like the, the Wayne murders would have been like famous and like a massive yeah. deal because like it was headline news that like a pro- prominent doctor and his wife were slain and the boy and the boy witnessed it. So the fact that they sort mm. of just they stumble upon it is a bit of an odd like quirk to the way they just chosen to, to tell the origin story this time around um yeah and there's a uh, there's an interesting um no uh, but in fact you know we'll wait till we get to batman and robin or uh, maybe batman forever anyway whichever one one of them we'll get to okay the, there's a theory that i have about everything going on in these films Okay, um, well, do you think they're all linked then? Not that they're all linked. Well, I think they are... They're they very are loosely. Because, yeah, very, because, very loosely. Yeah. Because they so, don't tread over the same ground and, like, you know, Alfred remains the same. Yeah, and, and they never, like never repeat any villain. In, the, in this court, the original yeah. four movies, there's never any repeated villains or anything like that. There are certain, like, actors who do cross over. The main problem being that the the actor playing Batman changes three times in the course of four movies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And the director changes and therefore the in- complete tone of everything changes midway through this series if you were watching it. Yeah, so I diff- mean, it's a bit, you can set a similar argument about like Bond, for example. But um, they yeah, are like loosely based off of like missions and like things, affectations that happen within that. And sort of continually. So changing an actor is going to be different to yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, but just yeah, I think it, it, it's an interesting like approach to continuity. Um, and yeah. very much like I think that's what's interesting about going back to them now is again, is it's 
it, it's symptomatic of movies at the time is that you could just do that sort of soft reboot midway through the 90s and do you know what they did with um batman forever and not it not be a big deal whereas now it's like no continuity is everything and people need that like everything needs to tie into everything else and we need to have right we need to have a spin-off tv show we need to have this we need to have that and it's like right yeah. well, we need to build a franchise and do a trilogy and all this kind of stuff um, yeah, and call back to everything. It's like that's that deep level of continuity is what people have come to expect in movies now with that serialization of films. Whereas now, like, yeah, back in then, like, I mean, even I'm impressed now going back to watching these ones, how much they do reference the stuff that happens in the first one in the second one. Yeah. Like, he talks quite a bit about Vicky Vale a couple of, in a couple of yeah. on a couple of occasions, even though Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale is in the first one and it's kind of her movie in a way as well. I feel like she probably has more screen time than Keaton. Um, but yeah, and they... I think you're right. She, she may well do actually because of all the think, time that she spends in Joker. And like, yeah, yeah. if you think of the, the amount of time they actually, like she has quite a long, that long scene with him at the, at the museum that's also a restaurant. Um, but it's also, I don't know what it is, like Gotham's weird. <laughs> yeah. Everything's Gotham's a, always just, like, it's, it's the same reason that like, People move to um, like East Enders, the square in East Enders and Ramsey Street and stuff. Like people live there because of the, all the problems that happened there. So it's it's an interesting story and it's probably very cheap. Yeah, yeah. because the statistic to of getting murdered is very very high. So you're just like, well, it's you know it's forty percent cheaper than any other house we've looked at. Yeah, and it's bigger. And, that, and half the city's animated anyway. Now most of it's exactly. map, most most of it's a matte painting anyway. So exactly, like, they have to pull down half the streets when it wind when it's windy. Yeah, it's like the, the car chase was just Batman going around the same corner three times, at different <laughs> angles. It's like yeah, it it does feel odd, really oddly small um, in that in yeah. both these movies really. I think that you can see there's a bit of an ex- expansion in the second one, but even then, it's like they built one main set. That was Gotham City, the the you know the central city plaza, and everything happens around there. And in the first one, it's like everything yeah. happens in front of the Monarch Theatre, and so you see the Monarch Theatre in every fucking shot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's and like, there's yeah. there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's like a symbolic, you know, symbolic because you know this is where all this stuff happens right in front of the place that Batman was born, or the Batman was born. And then you're like, or is it just because they didn't have that much money? No, it was just, yeah, clearly. Because it was, they did build, they built three of those cars and 50 of those suits. Well, no, I think was, more, more than anything, it's, it's the fact that I think the vast majority of the budget probably went on Jack Nicholson. <laughs> no, because he, he took, um, took a percentage of the box. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, he was the, That was the first, because that was like a, a groundbreaking deal at the time, which has since been replicated by people like mm-hmm. Robert Down Jr., in that the idea is that he didn't get paid at that much up front, but then he took a percentage of the box office. And not only that, yeah. I think it was like any version of the Joker that was in any way derivative of his version, he got uh, got more money off of the back off as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So even the, the character of, um, is it Jack Napier? Jack? Jack Napier, yeah. Yeah. So any version when that gets referenced in any way and that becomes the origin story, then he gets a, he gets residuals off the back. Of it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's mad because uh... that's something they did in this one again. Is that and I get we'll spoil it. Spoilers. It's a thirty year old movie. Um, they do yeah, the, they no do, they do the Joker origin story in this, and the, and the origin itself is quite close in terms of the whole being Axis chemicals. He, he falls into a vat of. Um, acid or whatever and becomes the Joker. There's the iconic scene where he's getting his plastic surgery done and he's mirror, yeah. mirror. Although now every time I see it, I think of um, Lisa getting braces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, and it is iconic and it looks amazing. And like the Richter's grin and like the makeup and prosthetics that they do on Jack Nicholson are amazing. Um, but they then just go that one step further and add extra layers to the sort of the, the legend of it. And then do that thing at the very end, which I've never really been a fan of, which is to turn around and say that it was Jack Napier who was the gunman who killed the Waynes. Yeah. And like for the longest time, I thought that was the origin story. I thought that was real. Oh, okay. So like when I literally to the point where like when I was, because when, you know, Batman Begins came out, I would have been like 14, 15 or something. Yeah. 
And in that, you see it's Joe Chill and he's getting like, and he's being, he's on trial for murder or whatever. And there's the whole scene where it's like Bruce is going, goes there to kill him with a handgun. And I'm like in the back of my head going, no, because this guy's going to turn out to be the Joker. I know, I know, right. how, I know how this goes. I know it was the Joker who killed Batman's uh, parents because I thought, okay. having seen the 1989, that that was the origin yeah. story, and I didn't know any different. So I was like, really, I was shocked and confused when the guy got shot in Batman <laughs> Begins. I was <laughs> like, what? What about the Joker? What? I was, <laughs> I was so confused. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, how how do you feel about that? I mean, at the time, you may not have been. Um, I didn't know. I've, uh, yeah, I didn't realize for a long time. And then I got into the comments and I just sort of was like, over time, you're like, oh, it's Joe Chill, who the Joker was before the Joker, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you go, that was it's just the guy. But again, it's, um, it's, um, it's kind of indicative of like the way where comic book movies are now. If you can you imagine making such a drastic change like that to an origin story now? people would be up yeah. in arms people would fucking kick off like it was just it would not you would not be able to get away with it um no whereas back i mean then, they, they, there are like some fairly significant changes that they do to stuff like you know the, the uncle ben situation in spider-man yeah but like, people are like you know talk around things and like yeah even still yeah i think that there are certain things that you there are like Thing, you know, fixed points in time in terms of comic book history and that, and the, the death of the Waynes is one of them. Um, yeah. and the way it happens, but then like, you look at what happened in Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, true, yeah, you know, there's that scene where he meets Thomas Wayne, yeah, but, um, you know, nevertheless, it's yeah. a weird decision, but it's a fairly bold one, which we'll um come back to with another batman film because they can change it don't they they do they do indeed um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah um yeah i mean yeah like i said the, the first one it really is all about jack nicholson's performance he's clearly ad-libbing a lot of it some of the stuff he comes out yeah. with is just bizarre but it's just you know it, it, he goes for broke and they just point the camera at him really and let him do what he, do what he likes um yeah. and it pays off and it becomes like yeah for a long time and you know for a lot of people still the definitive joker performance um that people have to to, to you know either replicate or be compared to at all, at, at all times um, yeah i will say like he is that's like my joker yeah is someone that is um you know, when you, when you look at his performance, because people are like, oh, he's just really over the top and he's, oh, he's just mad being that Jack Nicholson. You're like, no, he's just, he's fucking crazy. Yeah. He's fucking crazy, man. Like, he's, he's carrying around like acid in a flower. Yeah. Batman, I think... Which he does. And, mm. and he's like, you know, squirting people's faces off like he does with, um, what's the name, Jerry Hall, like acid yeah. in her face off to make her look better. And then you're like, Right, well, that's clearly where the obviously like the origin of Harley's come from. There, and yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think for me, it's just it's not so much his performance; it's the fact that it's the world that they're they're inhabiting in that feels so disconnected from the real yeah. world that it doesn't feel yeah. dangerous. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't feel like right. I'm not okay. scared of him in the same way that I would be of Heath Ledger's Joker. Do you know what I mean? Heath Ledger's Joker, there was like that dread and that feel. Holy shit! He's got like he's going to kill someone, and it's going to be sudden and violent and feel real that he just shoved a guy's head through the desk or, or wherever it happens to be. Whereas yeah. with Nicholson is like, yes, he can be violent and yes, he'll kill people, but it's also cartoonish and everything. Like I say, the world that he's in, like he can push anything over because he's made of plastic. So it doesn't yeah. have this the same visceral sort of impact that you get. And that's just, that's the, to do with the filmmaking style. That's not to do with the performance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If, if you put Jack Nicholson in like if Michael Mann had directed this in 1989, it would. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it would have been fucking terrifying and like holy shit. And it would have been like you know think Alpha of like oh yeah, Albert or like you know Nicholson's performance in The Shining. So it's not that he couldn't yeah. have like that's he would have been closer to Jack Torrance and that it would have been like fuck me, I'm scared of Jack Torrance. Do you know what I mean? Not in the, but his Joker doesn't scare me in the same way. It's just more entertaining yeah. to watch. Do you know what I mean? Um, okay, yeah. Because I think it's probably like, yeah, I think it's like a, like almost a generational difference because like, um, sort of seeing this when I was like having always grown up with this guy being, 
and sort of having been able to be in that have that slight suspension of disbelief around world. Yeah. That if this world was real and if this guy was in it, other than if this person was real. Well, yeah, maybe. I think it's it's um it's one of those things, yeah, that it's hard to put yourself back in the mindset of having this being the yeah. first time you've seen that man as well. Is it's hard yeah. not to think of the the farm because we've had so many more, you know, the gritty reboots have been this like we're on our yeah. third gritty reboot, um, which is something we'll talk yeah, exactly. about near, near the time. Um, because for my mind, I would like there to be some sort of balance now where we get some something closer to a comic mm. book world. Um, because yeah. we've had the grittiness of Batman has been done to death, I feel. Um, but we'll talk about that nearer, nearer the time once we get to the actual um, to the Batman. And that's the thing. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that point because, especially when we look at the more, um, yes, yeah, we start to go through these films. There's going to there's obviously a major through line about the variability of belief, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, because. Like when we talk about sort of to sort of preface that, when we look at, like you say about Gotham itself, Gotham's this like everything's like this huge monolithic structure, like all one piece, but all in this like super art deco style. And it's really, really close. And there's alleyways leading into alleyways, into back paths leading into sewers and basements and everything. Like everything just, it feels like a mess and it feels really oppressive. Yeah. And that's what that's one of the things I really like about like sets. As much as you are do end up back on the same set over and over and over again. Just like I don't know, there is like a there is a sense of there's like a tactile sense to the world. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just feel like maybe maybe yeah, maybe it is a But it does feel very small. Yeah, and then that's what it is. It just it feels like the 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 stakes are lower because of it, if you know what I mean. Um, it just feels like, yeah, when, when he's threatening the people of Gotham, the people of Gotham are like 15 people yeah. um, who just walk off set. Uh, if they didn't... 65 people in the main square. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, like, again, when you compare it to like things like the, the end of Batman Begins, where the, the train's going through, and it feels like there is a train going through an actual city and things are exploding and like your know, cars are spinning off the road. It's a, it's a populated world that's being that's mm. under threat. Yeah. And it just it has a different feel to it. But I know what you mean. Um, but then, I mean, so obviously Batman 89 was a massive success. Um, made a shitload of money. It was it was a bit of a gamble at the time because obviously comic book movies just were not a thing at that point. We'd had the Superman no. movies with Christopher Reeve, but they'd sort of faded off into, you know, they, they started in, you know, a full decade earlier um, and then faded into sort of mediocrity, unfortunately, because of the, you know, the, the diminishing returns of those movies. Um, yeah. And that was kind of it. There really wasn't anything else in terms of comic book movies. So this, you know, Warner Brothers going right, let's make a Batman movie was kind of a bit of a gamble. They mm. they pulled this off. They got the Jack Nicholson sort of star power. Um, they got you know, Michael Keaton did his thing, even though at the time Michael Keaton was very much you know um, against the fans' Canadian. wishes. Yeah, but there was the whole thing where there was a massive letter ca- letter writing campaign to say that Keaton's not Batman, <laughs> wasn't that? Really? Oh yeah, some like fifty thousand letters or something were sent to warner brothers to say we don't want this guy as batman um but it's like you imagine like what the equivalent would be these days <laughs> it's, like... yeah, it's changed at all petition or turning up at outside warner brothers studio and you the yeah. cosplay waving the release the snyder cut yeah exactly yeah um but it's then, exactly no it's just yeah it's just more yeah. It's bigger now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it it just shows, again, another one of those things where people don't know what they're talking about until they see it. And again, like there are yeah. elements of it where you go, mm, it's not very Bruce Wayne, but he sets the template. He's the, he's the standard. Yeah. Um, and even in, in the first... Also, go on. You say about like, like Bruce Wayne back then was just a bit of a blank sheet. Yeah, a little bit. I think, like I said, that there are in a very similar way to Superman for me, there are like, there are three facets to it. There's the, there's the brute, the public persona, Bruce Wayne. Um, and there, mm. are, there are various sort of iterations of that, but it's usually he's some sort of smarmy um, sort of, yeah. Everyone thinks he's a bit of a prick, you know, rich kid who just does what he wants. And yeah. everyone, everyone dismisses him as being a trust fund millionaire who doesn't give a shit about anything. Then there's the real Bruce who's him and Alfred, 
talking in the Batcave and that's the, the brooding, the sort of the, the, the way of the world on its shoulders, all that kind of stuff. And then there's Batman. And those are the three elements of the character and you've got to get your different versions of it. And I think arguably there are different throughout all the different actors who've played it now, there are people who are better at different parts of it. Yeah. So I think, and in the same way that people say like there are better, you know, Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man, but you know, Tobey Maguire's a better Peter Parker, things like that. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I completely agree. But I feel like, yeah, I think that character of Bruce Wayne has been more defined cinematically over the last, you know, 20 years um, than it had, than it was certainly than it was back in the day. So he had much more room to play with and he could kind of do what he wanted with it. Um, but yeah. he, he never did anything that was massively detrimental to the whole thing. I don't think apart from like I say, get, let's get nuts. Well, it will never make sense. Yes. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing. So it's, it's really tricky to, like, it's really, really tricky to balance those things off, isn't it? Because you, you start looking at stuff like, um, like you said, there are three facets of who Bruce and Batman are. It's it's really easy to do that on a um, page. Yeah. Because the dialogue's just written there. So you don't pick up those sort of like complexities in the language or you don't pick up like the tone or the the, the how he's like, the, the expression on his face when he's looking at something. You bring a lot of that with you. And yeah. same with like when you read a book or anything, you bring a lot of so much of that is brought in by you. But when it's especially when it's on film, it is that really, really tough sort of separation to make. So when you get somebody like Keaton that comes in and plays like Bruce fairly flat, and he's just like, Oh yeah, yeah I, I know it's Japanese because I'm put it in Japan. Yeah. And it's just really dry. And you're like, oh God, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's something, there's something like it's being able to turn on the charm. But he, like his version of yeah. being charming is just being that aloof kind of. Oh, and uh, getting out of the grant as he walks out the, as he walks out the room. So, so yeah. he's just going to give him money, but he's not he's not making a big deal out of it. Whereas like I feel like say Chrissy Bale's version of Bruce would make a big like show and dance about that. He get he like in the way that he like yeah. he shows up Harvey Dent in Dark Knight. He's like ah oh, Harvey, and he's like he's giving a, a big speech because he wants to be the center of attention. Um, yeah. But like yeah, there like I say there are different ways of doing it. But Keaton finds his his groove with it and does a really good job. Um, yeah. But yeah, like getting into Baron Returns. <laughs> Baron Returns. Yeah. It's just all over the place. <laughs> it's just it's Tim Burton Brian Mark. <laughs> yeah so the, the thing with Batman Returns is I've, I, it was such a I don't know like a cultural touch point for me yeah because it came out and it was like this huge huge deal because obviously it was coming off the back of like Batman was this multi-million dollar sequel which wasn't really a thing because you know as Star Wars sequels were always a bit put on and then you know, again, let's say cultural touch point is that, you know, that inspired a big lot of change in cinema because that's when a lot of these superhero films started to get made. Yeah. You know, they're all like the dark and gritty ones. You're getting like Dark Man and Spawn and, you know, like Dark City, all these things that are like based off of like graphic novels and comic books uh, that aren't as good or aren't in the same league as. And like when you look back at it, it is fucking nuts. Yeah. It's just mad. But it was such a weird thing to be amongst at the time. Yeah, I mean, we like, um we've we've even covered on on this podcast way back. Uh, we even did a um a review of the original Captain America movie. Um yeah. which was what, 1990? Yeah. So it came out and like the idea, I remember saying at the time, like the idea that this came out around the same time as Batman <laughs> is fucking crazy. Yeah. And like, look at the state of it in terms of just the production value and just everything about it. It was just like, holy shit. Like how, how the world has changed in terms of, you know, Marvel versus DC and where they're at now and what their movies look like. It's just like fucking out. This was like 1990s version of a Captain America movie. Um, whilst Batman was like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, and it didn't even feel like a. It didn't even feel like a film from the nineties. It felt like a film from 
like 60s or 70s oh yeah it was yeah i mean so bad it's so bad when it? it's, it's crazy <laughs> um, rubber ears yeah with the little rubber ears and yeah all that but like i feel like yeah it's warner brothers like it, it was an interesting sort of gamble for them because they just threw the money in the right places because it was things like i think the other thing that we didn't mention in the first one um is the music um i mean danielle yes, not, not only danielle from the school which has become iconic and very much and like led yeah. into what batman sounded like for you know going forward um this kind of set the template of the sound of batman the look of batman as well because it then it spun off into the animated series and that whole art deco yeah. style but not only that also yeah. the music from danny elfman very much influenced that yeah um but then you also had the prince soundtrack in the first one as well <laughs> Which kind of dates yeah. it going back now is some odd stuff, but like you know, there yeah. was the bat dance with l- lest we forget. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't talk about music without talking about the bat dance. Of course. Um but but yeah, like you say, yeah, the music is like a you know foundational thing as well. We I remember having that on oh, no. well not me, but I think my brother, my cousins had it on vinyl. Oh nice. And you're like Okay, I mean, yeah. we're, we're all like 11, 12 years old. <laughs> we've just got very weird tastes. Obviously, we've got the Batman soundtrack, which is Prince, like three Prince songs, and then just loads of Danny Elfman songs. Yeah. You, you're like, did that, did that work as a score? It, did that work as a, you know, as a, as a, as a film soundtrack? Were well, there too few things on there? No, I just think like that. Just there are some moments in that in the movie, in both movies, particularly in the first one. Yeah, that's odd. But like, yeah, the Danny Elfman stuff like does a lot of heavy lifting. I think that's yeah. how I said to you. Like, there are moments where it's like, it's like when when the visuals aren't quite holding up in the way that you would want them to, or like <laughs> you think that's you've you've made the Batmobile clearly. You're making it. You're purposely making it go faster by speeding up the footage. It's that music that just carries it that makes the yeah. that allows you to have that suspension of disbelief and just go yeah whatever or like you know yeah. the, the final shot at the end of the movie where it's you know panning up and you finally see him stood like it's epic because of the music it's like without that score yeah. it would not have worked it looks really wonky yeah it, the yeah take you put that take turn the sound off and watch it and it's wonky as shit like nothing nothing's real like he's even the guy who stood there is probably the animated one because that's the first the first time we see batman and probably the last time in the movie as well is this weird stop motion animation thing that they do? Yeah, it's like rotoscoping. Rotoscoping, so like, yeah. Uh, so rotoscope for anyone that's familiar, rotoscoping is when um, you draw over the negatives like that. So they're oh, not literally the negatives themselves, but you animate over the top of the frames of film, so it looks like something's real. Then you're animating over the top of the frame, and yeah. it was used in. Some to to some effect in this film, uh, and in a few very odd places as well. Right? Uh, when a certain person falls off a church, yes, um, yeah, it's like I say there are a few, and even things like the um, the, the when the shields go around the Batmobile, yeah, and things like that. It's oh like, yeah, oh man, shields, shields off. <laughs> Just like how much do you weigh? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a little bit oh, yeah. underneath all that that whole sequence. Um, but yeah, fun. but again, like yeah, Batman running around and he can't move his neck, he's he's very, very stiff. Um, yeah, and the but suit I mean, that, to be fair, that continued all the way through until um Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, Dark Knight, sorry. It's Dark Knight where he finally says, You want to be able to move your neck. <laughs> like he literally had yeah. to go, go to um Morgan Freeman and ask specifically that he could move his neck. That's the only way they could find oh. an in-canon explanation for it. <laughs> um but yeah it's um yeah but the, the suit gets a hell of a lot better in returns I think as well doesn't it? Um yeah. in the first one you can see it's very very thick rubber and there's just it doesn't oh, quite God. look right in the first one does it? It just looks a bit yeah. cheap. But then the, by the time he rocks up in the second one, like in that first sequence where he, where he like springs into action and go and gets in the Batmobile and goes and takes on the um the was it the Red Triangle Gang? Um, yeah, Surface Prime. Yeah, he's yeah he's he looks great. 
he looks awesome. They've very much like shaped the cowl around Keaton's face this time, much more so than just shoving him in a bit yeah. of rubber. Um, <laughs> Cutting some holes in it. Because there are like visible like trim lines. Yeah. When you see in the first one, there's like a really uncomfortable thing that if you ever catch it at like a low angle, you kind of see this horrible like, I don't know, like the way that it's cut around his nose just makes you feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah. But it's just, um, yeah, it, like from a visual standpoint, that it looks a hell of a lot better. And then obviously there's there's yeah. more costumed um, villains going on in the in the second one. So there the second one is just a mess, isn't it? <laughs> but like it's an enjoyable mess and it's a cult mess. Like in the, yeah. in the same way, like you say, it is a cultural t- touchstone because it is there are some it's just iconic in that you know Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is iconic. Um, yeah. Like Danny DeVito is iconic in a way, in his own unique way, but also gross. And I don't quite know why yeah. he's such a freak. Like, yeah, I don't know what got them to that. I mean, because well, Oswald's I, always had like a, a thing. Like, yeah. he's always been very, very short. He's always had a very big nose. He's always been like, he's always like had a monocle or a slight, you know, he's. Uh, fair, a bit similar into like the Bond way, like you know, it, Batman's villains often have some form of like, deformity or difference. Yes. To them. Yeah, yeah. And like Penguin, especially, you know, he gets the name Penguin because of that. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, Tim, Tim Burton took he's that a idea. Literal monster. Yeah, Tim Burton took that idea of them having a slight deformity and kind of went a bit too bad, too far with it. Like, yeah, because <laughs> like he just completely like yeah, the Oswald Cobblepot that he presents in this bears very little resemblance to either the comic version or like the you know Burgess Meredith version from the from the nineteen sixties. Yeah. It's just there's nothing like it. It's just disgusting, <laughs> like dirty. Like leery, yeah. like it's just, it's horrible. It's, it's like I, I yeah. can't believe. I don't know. As I'm watching it, I'm like, I just can't believe he got away with it. I can't believe he got away with that that cut of the movie and some of the lines and the things that are said and done by the Penguin and how they allowed that to be in a movie that is like marketed at kids. Do you know what I mean? There's all these tie-ins that they did at the time. because the thing is, like, there are films that were, um. They weren't marketed at kids, but the merchandise was. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Oh, so, think... like, kids would know that the film was coming out, but then they wouldn't, uh, and but they would, so that, but they would be like, oh, I want a Terminator 2 toy. You know, yeah, exactly. Terminator, like, that's like all, the... Terminator 2 and Predator all had toy lines, didn't they? Even though they were all 18 yeah. certificate movies. That always weirded me out. Yeah. I never, could never quite get my head around that. Yeah, like I knew, I know that Terminator did the shortcut. I don't remember the Predator toy lines, but well, I know that they have since. But um, because everything's got a toy line now, because toys are cool. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of really weird shit. There's just all kinds so, of weird shit going on in this movie. I think the the weirdest thing as well is like just the things they chose to add, like the Mac, Max Shrek played by Christopher yeah. Walken. Like the, again, as I said to you the other day, it's like I, the, the idea that there is a Batman movie that exists in which Christopher Walken is in it and he has a lot of screen time, but he doesn't yeah. play any recognisable villain from Batman's... <laughs> yeah. you know, like, think of any Batman villain and think you could, like, you could cast Christopher Walken. Like, literally anything. Like, can you imagine Christopher Walken if he was the Riddler? Like yeah, anything. It could have been anything, but instead, no. Max Shrek. Who? Like, he's like they've completely just made that character up, haven't they? I think that even to the point where I was watching something about it the other day, and like I think the original intention was for the Max Shrek character or the part was going to be Harvey Dent. Yeah, and the idea was that what we end up because he, you know, spoilers, he, he meets a demise at the end, but that was going to be the sort of the origin of Harvey Dent turning into Two Face. Yeah. Which they would then pick up in the third one, but that, that obviously never came to pass. And Harvey Dent again, they set him up in the first one, like to no avail. They had Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in the original Batman, 
yeah, he did and nothing. Just, and did nothing. He was there. He's he in did, it for a few lines. He kept shouting, like the mayor kept shouting about having a festival because that was very important to him for some reason. <laughs> and somehow... It's the, bi- it the bicentennial. The bicentennial. God damn it, we were going to have a festival. I have to get a shotgun and get everyone down here myself. It's like, like, this is, like you're saying you're, that. Whilst you're the, a terrible, terrible leader. Whilst the Joker is poisoning people and getting... The, it's like, that's like oh, we're having a festival. I was like, and he's, why are you shouting at the district attorney about this? What's he going to do? Yeah. He, he, he's, not, chiefs there. he's not a party planner, is he? He's a fucking he's about like <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it's a bizarre world. It really is. And it they, is very they get very on TV world. and say we're gonna arrest Boss Grissom, the, the scourge of this city. And that, so they're gonna just name <laughs> the guy who's in charge of the mob on TV. See, a, and that happens what, in a lot of like a lot of American sort of shows of that sort of era, like things. You know, films and TV taught me a lot of things that I, that I would I would hear a lot about crime bosses on TV. You know, like crime families on TV. I'd be, you know, be very, very quicksand, you know, because I saw it a lot in, in fiction. You're like, well, clearly this is a problem. Yeah. You know, film tells me about it a lot. So, that's, why, that's why you were deadly afraid of the Marja for a very long time. <laughs> The Magia, yeah. The Magia, oh no, not the Magia. Remember, it's the Magia because it's one letter away from Mafia. And that way they can get away with it. Thanks, Comics yeah. Code Convention. <laughs> Comics Code of Authority. And it's, and it's Timberwolf by yeah. night <laughs> rather than Werewolf. Fuck's sake. But yeah, so there's um, a lot of that shit going around. But it's, yeah, going back to, sorry, I'll read off again. Um, it is a very strange world. A very uninteresting world. I do want to touch slightly upon the um, the weird anti-Semitism thing. Yeah, that in, sort of exists yeah. in this film. In uh, returns, so, yeah, with um, Penguin. Yeah, so there's like the whole film itself, really. Like, you know, um, you know the way that uh, Penguin's like deformed, loves eating herring, like, got short, pale. And these are all like these horrible, horrible stereotypes of like put upon um, people of the Jewish faith for a very, very long time, still now. Like. And it's this like weird thing that's kind of like, I think it's, uh, you know, what we were saying about like the parallel thought that you get with um, like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. About things that, you know, are connected but not really. Mm. Or like they weren't intended to be connected. And I think that might have been what's gone on here. Because when you look at it, there are there's a lot in there that you could imply um sort of anti-Semitism to, but it never really plays out to anything. So it never it never really gets to a to a line of completion. Right. Yeah. It never gets to like a justifiable uh, or like a a response where someone's like, see, and white Americans won because of this. But like, nobody really comes out of this well. No. You know, and it's like like Shrek isn't like a capitalist. He's just a piece of shit. You know, he's not in it to grab everyone's money. He's just a piece of shit. No, but he's there because Gotham City has a surplus of power, Tom. <laughs> like like all like all weird. like all great American cities. Um, they're they're just producing too much power for the five people who his live there. power plant's too good, and so he's going to so, start sucking the energy out of the city, capacitor, and then selling it to s- someone else. But then, but, yeah, I don't know how. Um, I don't know how uh, they are. They do their electricity needs in America, but I think it might be different to how we do it here. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's all it's all complete nonsense. But I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, let, let's just we'll say the, the real the worst of the plots. Yeah, I mean, well, we say that. I mean, don't forget, there's the, obviously when we get into um, forever, there's um, Edward Nibber setting up some sort of the a worldwide. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he puts these things, like these devices, into every home in Gotham, and then like builds this giant power plant where he's sucking the brain power out of every single person in the city. I'd say yeah. I mean, it gets stupider, 
don't get me wrong. This is just this is get stupid. This is the tip of the iceberg in terms of stupidity, but it's just it. Yeah, it's just a paper thin plot. Um, and it's basically all just, again. He just he loves the freaks. He just loves talking about the freaks. He loves going on about um, Oswald Cobblepot and making him into this weird <laughs> monster creature. Um, oh, yeah, it's not nice. And then and it, I don't quite get like much as she is iconic. There are moments of her performance that are brilliant, but Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman bears very little resemblance to the Selena Kyle from the comics or anything or any sort of you know oh, yeah. canon yeah. version of her. But there, yeah, yeah no, like, she's far away, very, very, very different. No, she's just this this shy, um, sort of unassuming uh, secretary who is too too good for you know too good for her own good, basically, um, and gets attacked. Yeah. But then this whole sort, of, then she goes on this starts this revenge sort of you know avenging angel of Gotham kind of thing. But it doesn't. It sort of just comes out of nowhere. It's just just is. Like it's not, it yeah. doesn't tie into anything that's like she, she didn't say anything before that would hint that she's got this like bubbling sort of resentment or rage underneath her that she can't wait to just get out. It's like she no, no well the plot says that she got kicked out of a window and then some cats licked her, so now she's catwoman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. And then I don't know. Yeah. Like I always like as I was growing up, I was always like, oh, it's like a supernatural thing. Yeah. But then, but then they make it very clear that she falls through like a whole bunch of canvases before she hits the floor, and that she is this sort of like lonely cat lady. And then, yeah, and that she's like been on the single market for years. She's like, oh, I forgot I'm not married. Yeah. Oh, this, this, and this. Oh, yeah. and she's really cross with the guy who's like. My therapist said I need to not have any more appendages. You're like, okay, like, what? What are you saying, mate? This is fucking, it's a bit fucking money, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. And it's just like, and, but then there are, like I say, I think she's the best thing about the second one. Um, Just there are moments of her performance that are, I think, genuinely really good. Um, yeah, where she's just where she's cracking up under the it's like with you know, I think that the best parts are the, the scenes between her and Bruce, like where they have those yeah. there are there's that tension between yeah. them about them not wanting to reveal who each other are. Um, and they have the, a really great moment where they're having the, the dance at the book and the ball where they do figure it out because they it, it's a stupid way they do it because they have this whole repeating lines back to one another, which becomes a trope. Like, I mean, we'll get into it, but one of the worst movies ever for that, much as I love it, is Batman Begins. Batman Begins is like half a fucking script because all they do, do, the entire fucking movie is just people repeating stuff back to one another that they said earlier on in the movie. Yeah. And but they, it started, there's been a grand history of that in Batman movies and it started with these movies because not only was the, do you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? was the big reveal in the first movie <laughs> that like that's how we made the connect the dots between this person and this person yeah they then do this a similar thing here with the whole um mistletoe rhyme which comes out of nowhere yeah um it's a very very specific set of words that they say to one another <laughs> um i said mistletoe, yeah. mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it but a kiss is even deadlier if you mean it um, and they repeat it back to one another. But much as the line itself is stupid, I really like the performance of both of them. Like as yeah. as Keaton's saying it, and it's slowly it's dawning on him what he's like, oh shit, it's her sort of thing. And they just hold the camera on him as he sort of steps back and looks at her, and she realizes yeah. it too. And he just wipes a tear away from her, and he just like holds her. And he's like, right, what do we do? Do we start fighting? Shit, what do we do? What do we do? And it's like it's a really nice, it's a really good, you know revealing yeah. the identity scene which has been done so many times in so many different comic book movies over the years now but i think this is genuinely a really really good one yeah no i completely agree i think it's it's an amazing scene i just feel it's I one went, that's always sort of like stuck with me is like from yeah. a filming perspective but it just it it kind of speaks to the part the whole problem with that movie is that that happens and then they go right let's go outside and you're like oh shit i want to see that conversation yeah, I want to see how they deal with that. But before they even have a chance to get outside, the penguin erupts yeah. through the floor in a giant <laughs> rubber duck and take and takes hostage um, Chip Shrek, Max Shrek's son. 
by, sure. with, with a um, with his shotgun um, umbrella, which again, where the fuck he's getting all those umbrellas from, I don't know. Because no, presumably he's been living in the sewers and in the dilapidated um, zoo for all his life. So how he's got a, yeah. a <laughs> he's got one that's a helicopter, one that's a um, flamethrower, one that's a shotgun, one that's a machine yeah. gun. <laughs> he's got the hypnotism one. It doesn't No, it's just meant to give you a splitting headache. Um, yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, and that is like that sums up the issues with this movie almost in one scene. It's like it was you're on the verge of something really good there, and then you just went, "Yeah, but look at the freak! Look at the freak!" <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Like every time they start to get to a point where you could go, "This is going somewhere," they do yeah. a weird thing. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, and then then we get in, in the the final act. It's just absolute lunacy. I mean, it's really fun to watch because you just get these hundreds of penguins. Some of them are real penguins with little <laughs> with um, fucking um, rockets strapped the to their rockets. backs. Some of them are Stan Winston like animatronic penguins. Some of them are people in suits, and you can tell those ones. You can spot them a mile hmm. off. Um, but, and it's, they have a visible scene, not oh, yeah. only because they they're, they're drastically different, but. They have a visible scene all yeah. up the back. Yeah, Blu-ray hasn't done this one very any favors, is it? Um, no. <laughs> um, and it's just yeah, it's just absolute mayhem in the in the back end of it. Batman gets on a boat, um, and he has He's got like the bat skimmer, the bat ski boat. So the quick to the bat luge. Um, and it's just yeah. like, it's just at one point he gets shot at by two penguins, shoot two rockets at him, and I swear to God he double takes. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's madness. It doesn't a lot of it doesn't make any sense, but it it's fun. I'll give it that. That last sort of 20 minutes is yeah. is, is just pure fun. Um but it also gets like really serious again, like it's like Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed like Batman? <laughs> that's that's pretty Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed like Batman? Because he yeah. is bad man, you moron. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> it was, and he tries to shoot her. And then she says the whole, yeah, the, the whole, oh, it's all down to her for having yeah. nine lives. Again, I thought the whole nine lives thing was a genuine thing for Catwoman. So the reason that she was practically bulletproof is because yeah. she actually had nine lives and there was some sort of supernatural element to it because they didn't know any different. Same, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, for for a very very long time, I was just like, "Oh, she's got like cat bats." Yeah, but you know they don't get into it anyway. So maybe she does. Maybe she does. And like I said, and they went out of their way to. There was like a twenty thousand dollar shot at the very end of the movie, isn't there, to make it clear that yeah. she's alive. That was a quarter of a million dollars. Something like that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this this final little shot because again, it ends on a very um sort of melancholy note is that yeah like Bruce felt like felt like he actually might have had something with um Selena and like I kind of I wish they'd given more screen yeah. time to that and less screen time to the penguin running for mayor because who gives a fuck <laughs> um, mm. um because you have this yeah this sort of um subdued little scene with him and Alfred at the end where he thinks he sees her goes down the other way picks up a cat gets back in the car yeah. And it's just the it's Gotham is dark. It's like there's no one else around because obviously Gotham is unpopular. Um, and it's snowing. He gets back in the car, he's not saying anything, and then and Alfred just wishes him a Merry Christmas. And he says, Merry Christmas, Alfred. Yeah. And it just pans up. And it's, it's a really nice, like beautiful ending. It's like, I wish, yeah, if we hadn't spent so much time fucking about with the the penguin, this could be yeah. really good. Um, but like at the, at the very last second, you see um Sort of reflecting what they did in the in the end of the first one, the bat signal shines on into the sky, and then a Catwoman figure um, appears. Yeah. And I say a Catwoman figure because it's, it's not Michelle Pfeiffer. They like dug the costume out yeah. of storage um, and just shoved it on an intern or something and filmed the back of her head popping up <laughs> into frame and went right there. You go see, so she's still alive because they didn't they wanted to make it clear that like the character had survived in some way. Yeah, um, but in order to do that, they had to go. Yeah, just, just like they, they did it at the last minute, they had to like film it on you know on the back lot, and it cost an absolute fortune just to get that little, that last little shot in there. <laughs> That's, it's, it's mad, isn't it? It's crazy. 
Um, I, but just yeah, it, it's interesting going back and watching some of the like behind the scenes stuff because like, there's a few of them on the Blu-ray. But I remember the one that sort of stuck out to me was as one of the producers. Um, what did you say? Yeah, so as a producer, uh, Tim created his own world for this movie. We didn't use anything from the real world. Everything takes place on the planet Gotham City. That's what movies should Jesus. do. I'm like, again, it's interesting that that like that's something they're boasting about. Like that now you'd be ashamed of that when you. <laughs> Like t- today's standards would be like, well, you'd want it. Oh, we did it for real, man. We really flipped that car over. Oh, we did it. We went out onto the streets and we filmed it gorilla yeah. style. It's real. Whereas then it's like, yeah. oh no, we, we, everything's completely fake. It's all fake. There's nothing real. Nothing's, nothing's real about it. Everything's fake. And it's like, well, why are you boasting about that? It's weird that that's something <laughs> that they were proud of. Like, but that's just, again, it just shows how much things have changed. It is. Well, and that's the thing. It's, there's so much to it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's fucking nonsense. Oh, yeah. Um, but it set a template. Um, and yeah, and then there was lots of back and forth about what a third one could be like. Um, they tried in, in both uh, Burton movies. I think there were there were talks about trying to get Robin in there um, yeah. to a point where they cast Robin. It was uh, Marlon Waynes was going to play Robin. Yeah. Um, and it was all like set to happen. They were going to bring him in in returns, and then they went, "No, we've got too many characters with Catwoman and ba- and um, the Penguin and everything else going on." So they they scrapped that idea. They started talking about a third one, and then Tim Burton decided he just w- didn't want to do it anymore and walked away from it. As he did, wanted to do Superman, didn't he? Yeah, I th- and that's where yeah, that's right. Because then he started developing Superman Lives with um, Nick Cage. Um, which never ended yeah. up happening, but that's another infamous, like one of the most infamous movies that was never made. Um, yeah, Nick Cage playing Superman. Um, yeah. But then we ended up changing directions entirely um, with Joel Schumacher and Val Kilmer um, for Batman Forever, which is something. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's anything more you want to say about the Burton movies while we're here then. Just that they um, they hold a very special part of my life. Uh, like I don't have the same fondness for them that I do with like, Star Wars, like um, like Ghostbusters or any of those other ones. But like it's overly attached. But I do have a very special fondness for these films. That being said, I, I don't know how to sort of be overly like critical of these films because I'm just like, oh, it's Batman, isn't it? So that was my Batman when I was yeah. growing up. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, so I just I don't just... want to, uh, yeah, I don't want to give a, like, I, I can't give like a nuanced perspective on this because it's one of those like, kind of stuck in my uh, stuck in my mind yeah i think yeah. to me yeah it, i sort of approach from a different view is like to me it's like it's an interesting sort of cinematic time capsule yeah. um and it's like oh yeah. this this is what they how they did batman back in the day but to me like my yeah. batman is like is the dark knight trilogy really um because that yeah. you know i think the, well the first batman movie i would have seen in the cinema would have been batman begins i think um yeah Maybe Batman and Robin. I don't know. Yeah, you familiar with the uh, the Auntie Donna sketch of when they're looking for a new housemate? No, I don't think I am. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, why guy in his thirties? Isn't the Dark Knight just mm. the greatest film? Oh, yeah. it's a, look, it's just just for, just, look, just for Heath Ledger's performance alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah. i just uh yeah there's no yeah, element, there's an element of that and we'll get into that because i know you obviously have yeah. a different opinion um, <laughs> than i do on those particular movies but they were yeah they were pretty seminal for me um that whole series really yeah. um but that's part of part of because of the age i was when the when the three of them came out um, Absolutely, exactly and that's similar to what i've got here mate. yeah my um my passion for um Batman runs very deep in different ways, but at the same time, like, oh, never, I'm not going to turn my nose up, but, um, yeah, the Nolan verse. No, no. 
Um, cool. All right. Well, um, that's it. And we're um, we've started our embarked on our journey. We've got plenty more to go. Um, kind of, so next week we're going to talk about not only Batman Forever, we're also going to talk about Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, because although there are obviously differences in the, and the Batman's change, they both directed by Joel Schumacher. They're very much, you know, the next phase of the Batman um, cinematic legacy, if you like, is the Joel Schumacher era and those two movies. Um, so we'll talk about them next week um, and then we'll get into the Nolan um, trilogy before it's time to go and see the Batman uh, with Rob Pattinson. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening guys we know we've been a bit uh, remiss in this at the moment we we're not done we're still going um and we will keep we're going to keep churning stuff out and not only are we going to be doing the batman stuff we're also going to try and see some new stuff um because i think uh uncharted the um, the uncharted movie with tom holland is out yeah. uh this week so we're going to go and yeah. try and see that when we get a chance um and keep these coming out um so bear with us if you can you know, continue to support us we really appreciate it um, and let us know your thoughts on the Batman stuff. Obviously, it's, people have a lot of opinions of Batman, very similar to um, Spider-Man. So if you've got any um, favourites or yeah. least favourites or any like hot takes, anything like that, let us know. Um, you know how to reach out to us on the various socials and all that sort of stuff where you've seen us post. Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll, um, we'll see you on the next one. We'll see you on the next one. Uh, hopefully, I'll have my voice back. Probably. Yes, yes. Or maybe I'll sound a little bit less like a teenage. Maybe, maybe we'll be in the same room. Teenage Batman. <laughs> That'd be interesting. That'll be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Gone back to the old socially distanced yeah. podcast. Yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks anyway. for listening. Batman. See you next time. Batman. Na, 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 na. That's it. That's the whole film. That's it. It's a, it's, a mm-hmm. Netflix, it's a Netflix special. It's 45 minutes. Yeah, it's fine. You're welcome. So, I'll take 50% of the residuals. You can take the other 50%. It's the old class works. Yeah. <laughs>